Hello, and welcome to the L&D Forecast Podcast, a show about learning and development, and training, and performance, and people, and maybe even the future. I'm your host, Emily Sheets. On this episode, I'm doing a quick learning hit about search. In my estimation, search is the most powerful yet underappreciated tool we have in our L&D arsenal. It's a bit like air. Because it's everywhere, because we depend on it, we just kind of forget about it. So let's remember it and respect it. This episode is adapted from an article I wrote on Medium. You can read that article by heading over to medium.com and just search my name, Emily Sheets. There's a Z at the end. All of my articles will come right up. Search is wonderful that way. The Search. How the Evolution of Finding Information Has Changed L&D. We search for a lot of things, meaning, our keys, a partner to share our lives with. We humans were seekers, explorers, discoverers, endlessly curious. My wife and I can't watch a movie without looking at least one thing up. It feels urgent when we do. We simply must know where else we've seen that actor. What song is that? How old is Michelle Pfeiffer? By the way, she's 62. By the way, when was the last time you looked for some information? If you're like 94% of the Earth's population, you did it within the last day, and you did it on Google. Digital search has impacted how we've learned, how we learn, and how we will learn. How humans naturally find information must be inextricably linked to how we deliver information in the field of L&D. Let me repeat that in another way. There can be no discussion about learning or training without discussion of how your audience will discover information. What does learning really mean anyway? I can make the argument that learn and search can be used interchangeably. The main question is, how do I access information that is useful to me? Learning is a loose term nowadays. What we really mean when we say learning in the context of an organization is information access. An employee accesses information, then is able to perform a certain task or function. Sometimes they don't know how to perform a task or function at all, Sometimes they just want to get better at it. Either way, our job as learning pros is to enable them to find information so they can perform. Sometimes we make them find information in their own brains. This is the most commonly used method. We make them sit in a classroom or through an e-learning, and then at the end they're supposed to know a thing so well that they can simply search their brain for information. A furnace and a lesson. A couple of years ago, my heat wouldn't kick on. It was November, and I finally had to cave and turn the heat on for the first time after a long, beautiful summer. I pushed all the necessary buttons on the thermostat, and she just wouldn't go. So I did what I always do when I FaceTime my stepdad, who is the guru of how to fix broken things in a house. He walked me through a bunch of troubleshooting tips, and after some time, Eureka, we resolved the issue together. He was the brains, I was the hands. This story is an instance of the knowledge I needed being in someone else's brain. Now let's fast forward to this year. I turn on the thermostat, expecting some warm air to circulate through the chilly house, and nothing. I went straight to Google, scrolled through quick tips, scanned videos, and watched HVAC experts walk me through common issues. Eventually, I turned the switch off, then on again, and guess what started running? My furnace. It was a simple fix, but I was still proud. I had done it on my own. Perhaps I should get into the HVAC business because I'm clearly a pro. 
In my broken furnace story, you notice that there are two different ways that I accessed information. In the first situation, I contacted a person, my stepdad. I had no confidence. I needed the assurance of someone who had done this before to make sure I didn't electrocute myself or blow up the house. I had never opened the front panel of a furnace before. It was scary. In the second scenario, I felt more confident. With the support of YouTube, I tore that panel off like an old pro and got down to business. Which lights were flashing? Was the pilot on? Did I hear any clicks? There's an important lesson in there. Google and YouTube are great when the stakes are low and you feel more confident. But if you're using them, you probably have a base knowledge already, or the stakes are very low if you get it wrong. The search eras. Let's discuss the eras of how a human could find information. Keep in mind, the eras are not exclusive to a time period. All the methods are brought forward because they accommodate an eternal need. For example, the books of Era 2 did not replace a person explaining something to you in Era 1. The books simply supplemented and added new options. Era 1. Someone explains a thing to you in person, one-on-one. -on -one. Some examples of this are apprenticeship, showing someone how to do something, like build a fire. Some topics could be ironsmithing or cooking. And the location of your information is in your brain. In era two, someone explains a thing to you via the written word. Examples of this would be books, scrolls, maps, and it would be on topics like how to cross the sea, the Bible, plant biology. The location of this information would be in a book or on paper. In era three, someone explains a thing to you in person, in a group. Some examples are in schools, Socrates, uh, workshops, and the topics would include things like math and science. The location of the information would be in your brain. In era four, we see libraries. Some examples, libraries. <laughs> the topics include literally anything, and the location of the information is in a building. Era five, this is a big jump. Digital, so no one is physically here to help you. Some examples of this are e-learning or virtual training. Topics, again, all. And the location of the information would be your phone, laptop, cloud. Era six, we have what I'm calling the digital helper. Some examples are search, Google Maps, YouTube, podcasts, voice assistants, social. The topics are all, but they're focused. The location of information is everywhere. In era seven, I'm calling this don't search. This is more cutting edge stuff, right? So examples like uh, augmented reality or learning in the flow of work. And the topics again are all, but they're focused. And the location of the information is delivered right to you. In era eight, I'm calling this Bio enhancement. This is the future stuff. This is, uh, this is stuff like brain implants. The topics could be all. And the location of your information would be your brain, except you would just think the question and the answer will be thought whispered to you via an implanted information transmitter. But that's sometime in the future. Let's tease out eras six and seven. We're in an age where our search helpers don't even need you to ask anymore. Imagine you have a butler, and when you would ring the bell, the butler would come and ask you what you needed. You'd say, a glass of water. The butler would happily retrieve it. 
but now you have a new butler, and this one is good, really good. He brings you a glass of water every day around 3 p.m. because that's when you tend to get thirsty. He also knows your calendar, so he's already told your carriage driver to prepare the horses and how to get to the estate where you'll have your meeting. Sorry, I went full Downton Abbey there, but you get the point. Our information search butlers have gotten more sophisticated through AI and machine learning that they know what you need before you ask for it. That's the biggest difference between Era 6 and Era 7. It's dumb search versus smart search. It's I'll wait here search versus predictive search. Era 7 is a graphical user interface overlay that is available to you at all times. It can translate a food label for you in Tokyo, or it can guide you through using a software system. What I love about accessing information this way is that it's so meaningful, so useful, so contextual. Offering relevant content is one of the ever-present challenges of L&D, and the search tools of Era 7 solve this problem within their very essence. Moving forward, so how does all this searching impact what we do as learning pros, and what shall we do with this information? Here are my recommendations. Number one, acknowledge how your learners currently access knowledge, and be realistic. In the learning biz, we have a tendency to be overly optimistic about how amazing our supporting materials are. We are so baffled when our users don't use them. How dare they? We spent months developing that job aid or that infographic. If your learners are going to Google, that is what they want to do. If they're using a group chat rather than a cumbersome thousand-page document that you tell them to use Control-F to find things in, maybe you ought to reconsider some things. Another suggestion. Number two, create a learning landscape schematic. Map out all the different ways a learner accesses information and the location of the information. This will give you a full picture of the various learning modalities you currently have, and it will help you identify where you have opportunities to create new learning pathways that will excite and inspire your learners. Number three, create a vision of the new learning landscape. Be bold. Are you missing out on adaptive learning opportunities? Are you offering an easy-to-use search option? Are you exploring how AI or AR can help your learners before they even ask? Number four, create a learner profile for every new learning initiative. In it, detail their confidence level and what learning methodology they might choose for themselves. Do plenty of learner interviews. Don't guess at what they'd like. But I'd also caution here that while understanding what your learners prefer is important, take it with a grain of salt. You're the learning professional. They're not. If they've only been exposed to classroom training, then that's what they'll say they want always and forever. Most learners wouldn't recognize a group chat as a learning vehicle. Number five, apply these principles on both macro and micro learning initiative levels. If you're thinking bigger picture as a learning architect, you're going to be the one supplying all the materials, technology, and resources for the learning designers. Meet regularly with the designers to understand their challenges and be open to their ideas. If you're focused on a specific project as a learning designer, if you see a gap in a best practice of how to deliver content, fight for your learner. Ask what they need. Be their voice. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Please feel free to comment, um, you know, reach out, talk to me on LinkedIn, reach out to me via email. I don't know, just literally any way. Get in touch if you want to keep this conversation going. Write your own article. Make your own podcast even. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. It gets me going. It keeps me going. 
uh, and it keeps me excited. Uh, I love this this business that we're in. I love learning, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. I could chat about this stuff all the time. So uh, feel free to reach out. Thank you again for listening, and take care. Bye-bye.